Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 90, I'm excited to welcome back the voice of the Trojans, USC radio play-by-play broadcaster and Southern California Sports Broadcasters Hall of Famer, Pete Arbogast. Pete, glad to have you on the Everything USC podcast again. Good to be here. Let's get it going. Let's talk. Of course, if you enjoy this show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more, or go directly to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on X, or as I'm calling it, the artist, formerly known as Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Pete, if the people want to find out what you're up to, where can they go? You mean social media stuff? Social media or what they can listen to your broadcast, whatever. Oh, the broadcasts are on KABC 790. At USC Voice on the former Twitter. That's really the only one I use. I'm on Facebook somewhere, just under my own name. There you go. That's it. That's pretty much it. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online which is your number one source for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is the place for all your baseball wagering info with everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through to the World Series. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. It was brutal to watch USC suffer its first loss of the season at the hands of the rival Notre Dame Fighting Irish 48-20 last Saturday, and it was really ugly right from the start of the game. The Trojans got the ball first, which is normally a good thing, but on the fourth play of the possession, Caleb Williams badly overthrows Lake McCree and is intercepted by safety Xavier Watts, who had a monstrous game for the Golden Domers. That was just the first of three picks thrown by Williams in the first half, all of which led to Irish touchdowns. USC only managed two Dennis Lynch field goals in the opening 30 minutes of game time and trailed 24-6 at halftime. About the only thing giving me hope at that point was that 24-6 was a score at halftime of the famous 1974 game between SC and Notre Dame that the Trojans ended up winning 55-24 thanks in large part to the great Anthony Davis. Alas, a repeat comeback was not to be, as USC would cut the deficit to 11 twice in the second half, but gave up TDs to the Irish on a 46-yard catch by Chris Tyree, a 99-yard kickoff return by Jadarian Price, and a 15-yard fumble return by Watts 
who finished with seven tackles, two interceptions, a forced fumble, the fumble recovery touchdown, and a pass breakup to boot. USC, with its lowest total offense of the season, just 302 yards. Williams, with probably his worst game as a quarterback in college, 23-37, just 199 yards, one touchdown, the three picks, and was sacked six times. USC never really got the ground game going. Marshawn Lloyd had eight carries, 46 yards, and a touchdown, but he wasn't even the leading carrier in the game. Austin Jones had 11 for SC. The leading receiver was Michael Jackson III with six catches, 51 yards. Brendan Rice did get a touchdown catch, but only two receptions total for 18 yards. Zachariah Branch, the dynamic true freshman, did return after missing the last couple games with injury. Had 166 all-purpose yards, 17 on the ground, 17 in the air, 86 on punt returns, 46 on kickoff returns. His 60-yard punt return in the fourth quarter set up the final score, that Rice touchdown by USC. The defense was put in bad positions throughout the game, only allowing 251 yards total, but they didn't get any sacks. They didn't get any takeaways in the game. True freshman Tackett Curtis led the Trojans with eight tackles, one of them for loss. That was the only tackle for loss by SC in the entire game. Christian Roland Wallace with three pass breakups was probably the best guy in the defensive backfield. On Notre Dame's side, the quarterback Sam Hartman didn't have to do too much, went 13 at 20, 126 yards, and two touchdown passes. Running back Audric Estime, 22 carries, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. Tyree led the receiving core with 62 yards, and the redshirt freshman Jadarian Price having that huge kickoff return, even though he didn't do much other than that. And then, as I mentioned, Watts having a gigantic game for the Notre Dame D. The loss drops USC to 18th in the AP poll, 16th in the coaches' poll. And Pete Arbogast, what is your reaction to what you saw calling that game in South Bend? They didn't play very well, obviously, but the key to uh, any time you beat Notre Dame is up front on both sides of the ball. USC's offensive line got pushed around a little bit more than uh, they would like, and that put pressure on Caleb to throw passes that he shouldn't have. He was pressured all night, as you mentioned in those statistics, and uh, the receivers didn't help. They dropped a few. The running game never got going. And on defense, you give up too many short fields, and uh, Notre Dame was able to run the ball easily on those short fields and score easily. you got to have big man against big man, and you got to win those battles, and that didn't happen in this game. And that's a concern going forward because you've got some pretty good teams with pretty good linemen, Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA coming up. So they've got to figure out, I don't know how they how they do this at this stage of the season. We're more than halfway through, but they've got to figure out how to shore up the line for sure. Yeah, that was one of the glaring things watching the game is that The line was just completely decimated by the Notre Dame front seven on D. And when all things break down, I think a lot of fans love seeing Caleb scramble around trying to make big plays. But as we've seen in the last couple of games, it seems like maybe he's trying to do too much. Do you believe he's trying to do too much right now? Or is that just how this SC offense is set up? I think he's doing the same thing he's always done, really. It's his team. He's the Heisman Trophy winner from a year ago. And he's got good talent around him. All he's trying to do is get the ball to them. Maybe one thing that hasn't been happening as much this year that I'd like to see maybe a little more is to him to take off 
in a designed way, call his own number and go ahead and run because he's so good himself, so dynamic out in the open field. But otherwise, he's, he's trying to do the same things he's always been trying to do, I think. I don't think he's been changed much at all. On the opposite side, there's been a lot of consternation from the fan base about the defense, so much so that a couple of weeks ago, I started up a Grinch gripe scale poll on Twitter to get the pulse of the Trojan fans' feelings about the defense each week. Obviously, it's based on the Dr. Seuss classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So there's three categories, Stealing Christmas, Chilling in the Cave, and Feasting with the Who's, based on how people feel about how the D is doing. And for this past game, all the votes came in for Chilling in the Cave, which is basically the neutral setting for how they feel about the defense. And again, they got put in a bad position throughout the game, but they also didn't really disrupt much of Notre Dame's offense in terms of making big plays and takeaways. So how do you feel about the Trojan defense so far this season? I'm going to back up to the Arizona State game. They played okay against Nevada and Stanford, and Stanford actually has turned out to turn their season around and be okay. Only gave up 28 to Arizona State, kind of meaningless. First half against Colorado was very good. Then everybody went to sleep. Only gave up 28 to Arizona. Arizona scored the same amount of points against Washington in a seven-point loss. And then it's hard to tell last week against Notre Dame because there's a 12-yard field and a 50-yard field and a two-yard field. You know, they gave up 21 points after those interceptions. A scoop and score wasn't their problem. A 99-yard kickoff return, not their problem. I thought last week they actually flew around a little better and tackled a little better and were in position to make the plays a little better as well. Might have been a turning point, although it's hard to see when you give up 48. It really wasn't the defense that gave up the 48 as much as it was field position because of those turnovers. I thought that they had improved last week defensively. I know that's hard to hear and hard to say, but I think they tackled better and I think they looked better. How satisfied are you with the team where they stand so far as we go into the toughest stretch of the season? Well, we might have drank the Kool-Aid a little bit. We knew they were going to go 6-0. and We didn't think it was going to be as difficult as it was to do so. And then we also knew that Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA were all going to be very tough games to win. And nothing has changed our opinion of what's to come, after, especially after losing to Notre Dame. Where we stand? Probably kind of where we thought we'd be, maybe not quite as good as we thought we'd be, but still in contention. And if they beat Utah on Saturday, which I think they will, then they'll probably beat Cal and Berkeley. And going into the final three games of the season, they'll be 8-1, and 6-0 and in the conference and have a very good chance to be conference champions still. And then you got to put it out there against a great team in Washington at the Coliseum and go up to Oregon and play well at Austin against a very good team and then beat your rival in the last game of the regular season. That's a tough go. If you can win two of those three games, and particularly, I think, the Oregon game up there is the one that's the most important because you want to get into the Pac-12 championship game. You don't want to be involved in a three-way tie or anything like that because tiebreakers are funny animals. So, I think they're going to have to beat Utah, Cal, Oregon, and UCLA in order to qualify for the Pac-12 championship game. And that's doable. It's doable. But they're going to have to play better than they've been playing, for sure. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest this week, the man who calls the USC football games on the radio, Pete Arbogast. 
If you enjoy listening to the show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. To find me on social media, I am on X or Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Pete, where can the people listen to you or find your thoughts? At USC Voice, I'm very nothing on social media. I don't post at all. Really, just hearing the games on KABC 790 on the AM radio or KABC790.com. This is Dane Bland, Olympic gold medalist and head coach of the USC women's beach volleyball team. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on Believe. Now let's take a look at the upcoming matchup on Saturday night against the 14th ranked Utah Utes. The game will be at 5 p.m. Pacific time, broadcasted on TV on Fox and, of course, on the USC Trojans radio network, where my guest Pete Arbogast does the play-by-play, the flagship station, KABC 790 AM. The Utes come in 5-1 and one overall this season, 2-1 and one in the Pac-12. Their head coach in his 19th season at the helm of the team with uh, 159 wins and just 75 losses on his record, Kyle Whittingham. He does have a losing record against the Trojans, 6-7 and all-time against USC. Their only loss this season was 21-7 at Oregon State on September 29th. USC leads the all-time series against the Utes 13-9. The last game was the Pac-12 championship game last season, a 47-24 Utah victory. Caleb Williams got hurt in that game on a long run, but continued playing and was clearly not himself. They also lost the regular season game at Utah 43-42. That was the first loss of the season last year for the Trojans. The last game at home back in 2021 in that terrible season was a 42-26 loss, so three straight losses to the Utes by the Trojans. On offense for the Utes, they, on their depth chart, still list quarterback Cam Rising and tight end Brant Keithy as starters, although neither of those star players have actually played this season, both recovering from knee surgery and still waiting to be cleared by the surgeon who did those surgeries, Dr. Neil Elatrash, who people might Recognize the name, the Dodgers team surgeon and a very famous orthopedic surgeon. So, so far on the season, junior quarterback Bryson Barnes and redshirt freshman Nate Johnson have been splitting the duties in place of rising. Barnes, 4-0 as a starter, 3-0 this season. He did start last week against Cal. He's completed 57.5% of his passes for just 398 yards a touchdown and two interceptions. Nate Johnson's more of a dual threat guy. He's completed 54% of his passes, 499 yards, three touchdowns, hasn't thrown a pick, but he's run for 153 yards and leads the team with three touchdown runs. Sophomore running back Jaquindon Jackson has 333 yards rushing on 61 carries and a touchdown, the leading rusher so far this season. The top receiver is... A freshman from Mission Viejo High School, Mikey Matthews, 21 catches, 202 yards, leading the team in both. And a guy who is now playing both ways, the sophomore, strong safety, and running back, Sione Vaki. 
He had 15 carries, 158 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground versus Cal last week. He leads the team with 33 tackles on the season, six and a half of those for loss, one sack, an INT, and a pass breakup. Other notable players on the Utah defense, junior defensive end Jonah Ellis, 29 tackles, 13 of those for loss, which is tied for the most in FBS with Jason Henderson of Old Dominion. Nine sacks is second in the FBS. Forced the fumble, two quarterback hurries, and a pass breakup. He's been named the Pac-12 Defensive Lineman of the Week twice so far this season. And junior free safety Cole Bishop, 32 tackles, four and a half of those for loss, two sacks. Tied for the most on the team in interceptions with two has two pass breakups, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery as well. But he will sit the first half against the Trojans due to being called for targeting in the second half of last week's win against Cal. This is a team that leads the FBS in third down conversion defense, allowing only 23% to be converted. They only allow 12 points a game, leading the Pac-12 in that, fifth in the FBS in that category. So. Pete, what does USC have to do to bounce back from that Notre Dame loss and snap a three-game losing streak versus the Utes? Well, control their pass rush and, and give Caleb some time to work. You mentioned the score against Oregon State, 21-7 to they lost. They've only given up more than 14 points that one time. Otherwise, it's 14 or less. So this is a truly outstanding defensive team. 67 yards a game on the ground. That gives you the idea that if the Trojans want to use the run game to soften things up for the pass game, that's probably not the way to go. They're going to have to pull out some tricks in this game to beat this Utah defense. And the defense plays like their coach coaches. Kyle Whittingham is a very defensive-minded coach and a hard, gritty guy. He's been around longer than anybody in the conference, and he's really good at his job, and he's got this team playing really well on that side of the ball, and they have to because the offense is struggling at least a little bit without Rising. And if Rising's going to play, you know he's going to play against SC. I don't think he should. I think he should call it quits and head for the NFL immediately because if he gets hurt again, he's probably undraftable. He blew his leg out uh, three different ways in the Rose Bowl. And by the way, Rising's only two losses in his career are in the Rose Bowl. So he's been a thorn in the Trojan side. And, and if he doesn't play, that makes me feel better about this game because he's really, really good. He's been really tough. And his best targets, the tight ends, Keithy and Yasmin, are, are also shaken up. And so is one of his wide receivers in, in Micah Pittman. But not getting pushed around on the offensive line. They did get pushed around by Notre Dame on the offensive line. And uh, they can't afford to have that again against Utah and further along down the road against Oregon, Washington, and UCLA. Yeah, you mentioned how good the Utes are against the run. But do you feel that SC does need to try and establish that run just to take some pressure off of Caleb? I don't think you can. I mean, 67 yards a game isn't going to – you can try all you want, but you're talking about – it looks to me from watching their film, you run into the line of scrimmage and you get a yard, you get two yards maybe, and that sets you up with a second and eight or a third and long. And, and those are the things that have been killing SC, those thirds and longs. You got to, you have to get those first and second down plays to work so you have a third and manageable if you have a third down at all. So I, I don't, I don't know that you, you run very much at all, but maybe you throw some uh, screen passes, which haven't been part of the Trojan arsenal. Maybe you throw some swing passes, get guys out in space. 
on the edges. They're kind of like, you know, those sideways passes, you know, bubble screen, stuff like that to keep them off balance. They're almost like running plays, and they, they often get six or seven yards instead of one or two off the middle. It seems impossible to run against these guys. So let's get right to it. Our predictions for this game. I'll recap what happened last week. And in a first, since we've been doing predictions since started this podcast, but no winners in anything last week. My guest last week, my old SC roommate and pal, Marcus Grant of the NFL Network, and the players that we picked to believe in last week, Bear Alexander for me, Jamil Muhammad for Marcus, and Bear didn't get any official stats. Muhammad with just one tackle, so that's basically a no contest, no winner. We both picked USC to win. I said 38-30, Marcus said 35-31, so no winner there. And then in the prop bet, I said USC would force at least three turnovers. They forced none. Marcus's taken-for-granted pick was that Marshawn Lloyd would have over 100 rushing yards. He only had 46. So again, for the first time ever, no wins by anyone in the prediction segment. So the season standings, again, I still lead my guess. Eight wins, five losses, and two ties. So we'll get it started right here with the players we believe in. I will begin with a pick that I haven't done yet this season, but a guy that I'm glad was back against Notre Dame and hoping that he's going to get more involved this week. The true freshman, Zachariah Branch, is the player I believe in. And Pete Arbogast, who are you picking as the Trojan that you believe in? I'm going to stick with Brendan Rice. He's caught touchdowns in six of uh, seven games this year. The only one he missed was the triple overtime win against Arizona. I think he's ready to have a, another big day uh, against Utah. A couple of touchdowns. Brendan Rice will be my guy. Brennan Rice is the guy who's been the most picked person, by the way, by my guests this season. So now we'll go to the game winner and score. Pete, I'll let you go first. Again, I should mention that the sponsor of the show, Bet Online, currently has USC as a seven-point favorite as we record this on a Wednesday. So, Pete, what is going to be the score and who's winning? Yeah, I've seen it as low as five and a half, too. I'd love to get seven. That would be great. They better win. This is a better win game. This is an elimination game in terms of both the conference and the national race. Both have one loss, and you can't get to the conference championship game with two, I don't think, and you certainly can't play in the final four with two. Maybe next year when there's 12 teams, you might be able to sneak in with two for the first time. So this is a better win for USC, and I think they will turn it around after being slapped in the face by Notre Dame last week. I think they'll win. It may be fairly low scoring, but not that much so. And I'm, I've got SC to win this game 30 to 20. All right. So picking a 10-point win is Pete Arbogast for the Trojans. And I went back and forth on this one. I really want to pick the Trojans, but I picked them last week fully confident. I thought that they would be able to go into South Bend, get a win. But just the way that they took the defeat, the way they've played the last couple games, I want them to prove it to me. So I'm going to anger some people maybe, but I'm going to pick Utah to win and continue their win streak against USC 31-27. Again, I really wanted to pick USC, but now I want them to prove it to me. So we'll see how that turns out. And now turning to the prop bet, Nara's no doubter for this week is that I think USC will commit Eight plus penalties in the game. They've done that in every game except for one this season, the Colorado game. So 
Nar is no doubter. USC committing at least eight penalties in the game. Pete, last year you kept it simple. You just called it Pete's pick. Are you sticking with the name? And then what is the pick? Yeah, I'm going to stay with that. I'm going to go under the eight penalties, by the way. I'm picking under on that one. I believe that Utah's listed quarterbacks, Rising, Johnson, Barnes, and whoever else may get in there if they do, will have more rushing net yards than USC's listed quarterbacks. I believe the Utes like to use their run as the quarterback play more often than you think. And you mentioned Nate Johnson's stats, and if he plays, he has run for 249 yards, but he's been sacked several times. And in college football, you lose the yardage for a sack as a run. He's lost 96 on sacks, but plus 249 on 56 carries is not insignificant. He can go. Barnes, not nearly as much, and I expect Barnes will get the start on Saturday. More net rushing yards from quarterbacks. Not that doesn't count. Sione Baki back there taking the Wildcat snap. More rushing net yards for Utah's quarterbacks than USC's quarterbacks. All right. That is a very interesting pick there. So to recap our predictions for the USC-Utah game, the players we believe in, I'm going with Zachariah Branch, the do-it-all freshman for the Trojans. Pete Arbogast taking wide receiver Brendan Rice in the game scoring winner. I'm going to go against the Trojans because I want them to prove it to me. I'm saying 31-27 Utah. Pete taking USC by 10-30-20. And in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter is that USC will commit at least eight penalties in the game. Pete's pick is that the Utah quarterbacks are going to have more rushing yardage than the USC quarterbacks and he's also thrown in that he thinks that my Nara's no doubter is going down as well so he's given a bonus there in the predictions so we'll see how things turn out again I hope I'm going to be wrong about the game score and winner and this is the everything USC podcast Nara Wang here along with the voice of the Trojans Pete Arbogast if you enjoy the show subscribe download and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or Go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. For me, I can be found on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Pete, where do the people listen to you, find you, whatever you want to get out there? KBC790.com or KBC Radio 790 on the AM dial. A game time at 5 o'clock, so we'll be on the air with the early pregame show at 3, and then I take over in the booth starting at 4.30 through the end of the Lincoln-Riley postgame interview, and at USC Voice on the former Twitter. This is Bruce Feldman, Fox Sports College football reporter and writer for The Athletic, and you're listening to the Believe in Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang. And in the final segment, I'm going to go over again, as I do with all my guests, the movement in all of the conference realignment and the craziness that is happening in college athletics. We talked about SC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten last year, so I want to kind of focus on the collapse of the Pac-12. Pete, how do you feel about this very proud conference with some great tradition now completely falling apart and being reduced to a pack two. Doesn't bother me at all. The thing that bothers me most, there are two things. One is the loss of the Cal-Stanford rivalries because those were real. 
We're going to still be playing Oregon, Washington, and UCLA. I don't care about Oregon State, Washington State, Colorado, Utah, the Arizona schools. Don't care. And if I never visit Corvallis or Tucson again, it's too soon. And my friendships with the other broadcasters that I've come to know over the years, I'll miss that as well. But we make new friends as we go along in this life. And I look forward to meeting the guys that I don't already know from various bowl games and preseason games, pre-league games that we've seen in the Big Ten. Mostly, I'm looking forward to seeing new stadiums. We get to go to all of the stadiums and play all of the Big Ten teams between 2024 and 2028. Uh, We start off, I get to go to the Big House next year for the first time. Never been. So new experiences are good towards the end of my career here. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But when it comes down to it, Nara, if you put SC on the field against anybody, I'm going to call the game, and I'm going to love being there doing exactly that. I don't care who we play. It doesn't make any difference. All of this realignment, do you think it's good for college football or college sports as a whole? Not only is it okay, but it's not finished. I believe ultimately we're going to have a super conference, and you can probably go through what next year would look like the SEC, the Big 12, the power conferences, and probably eliminate a third to a half of those teams that are in the Big 10, for instance. They won't make the cut to go to the super conference. I think you could pretty much name the teams that are. There are some that will be on the fence, of course, and the Super Conference will then secede from the NCAA, form its own union, and go on its merry way in a semi-pro sort of way, which is kind of what it is already with NIL. It's all about money, and I think the Super Conference is the way things are going to end up for us, for USC, for UCLA, for Oregon, for Washington, yeah. But you can name the schools in, in the Big Ten that aren't going to, you know, Northwestern's not going anywhere. They're not going to be part of that, that kind of school. No offense to Northwestern, but that's the way it is. Vanderbilt's not going to join that group in the SEC, that kind of team. So I'm looking forward to that over the next 10 years. We're not finished with this by any means. Yeah, I definitely think that things are going to continue to evolve in terms of how the conferences line up. But it would seem that that would require conferences to work together, right, to create a super conference. And that seems to be the issue, right, is that conferences seem more interested in their own self-preservation than actually working together. Yeah, but it's the schools that are going to make the decision above the conferences. You're looking out for yourself and what's best for you. Is it best to be in the super conference or best to be left behind in what's left of the SEC Big 12 ACC, Pac-12, you know, any any of these conferences, Big Ten. Well, I think it's self-preservation, and I, I don't think the conferences are going to have much of a say. Now, maybe those conferences are going to stay together in terms of other sports, in terms of everything but football and basketball, and maybe that'll be the case. I've always thought that football should just be separated from the other sports so that the other sports could have maybe remained. You could have kept the Pac-12 for the other sports, and then football creates its own new thing. However you want to do it, start it from scratch, do an NFL style, do divisions, do whatever you want, set up a playoff however you want. But it seems that because the conferences control the money from TV, the conferences control the postseason with the bowl games, that they have dictated how things go. And so I think that's the only stumbling block to getting to a possible super conference is that you're right. I think the teams would have to basically revolt and make side deals on their own outside the conference. And yet, so far, I think we've just seen conferences running everything with college football. It's early yet. We'll see. You know, like anything else in the world, and certainly in this country, follow the money and you'll find out where the real truth is. Truer words have never been spoken, Pete Harvick guess. So 
I appreciate you again joining the broadcast here on the Everything USC podcast. And best wishes to you for the rest of this season, calling the USC games on the radio and being, of course, the great voice of the Trojans. Thank you, Fight On, and how do you do, everybody? For my guest, the voice of USC football, Pete Arbogast, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 90 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, I end every show by reminding all of you listening to Fight On. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.